Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Good evening, everyone. This is Faith Fit Radio, and this is your host, Father Martin. And your co-host, Steve Bucklin. Welcome. Welcome. And thanks for listening. So just now we just give we had a very important task of counting us down <laughs> from uh, four. And apparently he couldn't. Yeah. We got to two and then we had to start over again. <laughs> I weep for this generation. That's right. <laughs> well uh, folks, happy ordinary. But we time. love We Cat, don't we? They started we laughing absolutely. to be fair. <laughs> they they wouldn't stop. They wouldn't stop. We absolutely love We Cat. But anyway, Enough about him. <laughs> Happy ordinary time, folks. Yeah, how's everybody doing? Is everybody feeling ordinary? <laughs> I always Are you feel... sick of green yet? I am. I Are am. you? You look okay in green. Uh, maybe it goes well with yellow. What's your favorite liturgical color? Black? Purple, actually. Purple, actually. Really? Yep, yep. yep. Why? Uh, although it, it is a color of you know of penitential nature, right. but it's also convey a, a sense of hope. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so because I, it's like the like pre-party. It. It's the pre-event. I mean, even though we're supposed to be humble and everything, there is some joy at, at the penitence, I think, especially in Advent, more so than Lent, but, you know. But we digress. Yeah, we digress. So, uh, folks, February 14 is coming up. It's going to be with us sooner than you know. And, gentlemen, if you haven't done your shopping yet, you have about a week. And lady, please calm down if they forget a present or two. They're not going to forget a present. We guys have it pre-programmed in. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm celibate. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so on that... If you th- do forget, fellas, here's, here's what you do. So let's say you forgot. What you say is, listen, we're going out to a really nice dinner, but we're not doing it tonight because the, the prices are overinflated, so we're going Friday. So that's always your save. It's just like, well... Everyone goes out on Valentine's Day, but I love you the other 364 days of the year, so we're just going to go out more often. This is the same excuse that Steve used and his wife every single year. That's not entirely true. That's only happened once. <laughs> but they've been married for 20 years, huh? More right? than 20 years. More than 20 more years. More than 20 years. Well, it's going to be 23 years this year. Well, some then somehow it works. Well, yeah, it works, uh, mostly because I keep I keep Mrs. Buckland paid, and then, you know, she stays <laughs> with me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is getting too disturbing for my liking. <laughs> well, let's talk about our topic today. So... Valentine's Day obviously was uh, not just a Hallmark uh, event, so we actually, the tradition of celebrating uh, Valentine's Day actually started with a Roman Catholic saint. Saint Valentine. That's right, who was alive in the early, well actually the late 200s, so the late 3rd century. I never really understood that, why the 3rd century is the 200s. Shouldn't it really be the 2nd Second century would be the two. I stopped pondering. I, I stopped pondering. But what's <laughs> so great about St. Valentine, though, uh, although his image turned into some sort of a romantic figure, but he was quite heroic. He was one of the martyrs of the church, is, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. When he was alive, of course, the, the late third century, Christianity was not yet uh, legal in the Roman Empire, which was dominating still at that time much of the Mediterranean area. And so that's true. to be a Christian openly was to risk, depending on who the emperor was, uh, was to risk penalty of death. And so it just, you know, it was gain- we were gaining momentum 
um, but hadn't yet uh, re- hadn't yet come to the edict of Milan. So, not a legal religion, but still, you know, it's interesting. It was one of the miracles I think of Christianity is that for three hundred years, it not only did it survive, but it thrived and grew despite being an outlawed religion. And and the church has always been. Uh that way you know we grow yeah. better we, we become stronger in the midst of persecution in the midst of oppression it is when we become so when things become so comfortable and easy that's when the threats of complacency kicks in and it's most dangerous for us spiritually that's right that is that is true now for saint valentine the danger was all too real because one of the things that he was doing at the time was he was encouraging couples to marry um, in the Christian faith, which was very un-Roman. Um, in the late 3rd century, if you were living in Rome, uh, the really popular thing going on at the time was polygamy. So, you know, you didn't just get one wife, you could have as many as you could find. Oh my. Yes, exactly. So if you thought that, uh, you know, boys and girls living together today was bad, just, you know, just check back about 1,800 years. And, now the uh, question is, wasn't one difficult enough as it is? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I don't know. Maybe I, I, I can't comment or we're going to get it edited out. So, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, he was persevering at a time when, uh, when that was insanely unpopular. Um, and yet there were people who resonated to this notion of, of fidelity and, and mm-hmm. unity between right. a man and a wife. Um, and ultimately, that was what he was arrested and thrown in jail for. Wow. Yep. Claudius II. Was the emperor? He was the emperor. Yeah. Wow. I'm wow. not sure if that's the Claudius of I Claudius or not, uh, but um, it is the Claudius of I Claudius. We can't. Isn't I Claudius is a fiction, isn't it? It is. I don't know. But I, it would be great oh, if he you're was the I Claudius. You're supposed check. to be the gold checker. We're, <laughs> this is history. <laughs> this is <sighs> we so, only thought he did poorly at math. Now, now we know it's history. So while WeCat is Googling all this information, <laughs> let us focus back on saying Valentine. Yeah. So St. Valentine, after he was thrown in jail, um, he was uh, challenged by Judge Asturias uh, to heal his daughter who was blind. And so St. Valentine, and this was as a test, so it was a test from the pagan judge um, to St. Valentine to prove that um, his faith was real um, and that uh, the Christian God and Jesus really were gods of saving. Um, or a god of saving, let me, let me say that. And St. Valentine did it. He actually healed uh, the judge's blind daughter and restored her sight. Um, and legend has it that Judge Asturias actually converted and became Christian as a result. Well, unfortunately, that. that didn't help him, or that didn't keep him from being beheaded, did it? Right. No, uh, when he did that, that, got, that, that did not make the emperor happy. So... <laughs> Yeah. If I was going to heal somebody from blindness, I thought they would be happy. Well, he wasn't just beheaded. The good news is is he was actually um he was actually uh first he was stoned. Wow. Then he was beaten and then he was beheaded. And what a way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Exactly. Exactly. So, yep, so three yeah, so you know very very um the emperor wasn't happy. So, you know if if you're just beheaded, you know, you just kind of drop your head in the stock, down comes a blade, hopefully it's been sharpened and it's over. <laughs> Stoning is not pleasant. Beating, also unpleasant. And then when you combine all three, it's bad. But it's still better than drawing and quartering. So I suppose. But Steve, you know what? Uh, one of the things that I most admire about the church, uh, our faith, 
you know, I read a lot of theology, I study a lot of theology, and, and everything that was written about our faith. But it is the witnesses of these martyrs that most inspiring for me in my Christian life because for them the conviction, the conviction to stand up for what one's believe uh, to the point of giving up their lives in the most brutal and painful ways, Yes, those are most uh, inspiring for me. So just like Tertullian who said, you know, the blood of the martyrs was truly the seeds of Christians. It is the blood, the witness of these martyrs who who lived so close to the time of Christ and who was willing to to die to die for for this man, this man God Jesus. That for me was the source of uh, of inspiration, uh, the source of strength for my faith. And it's an amazing model of what true love is. I mean, when we think about the greatest example of love, obviously is is Christ on the cross mm-hmm. in the crucifixion in the. As Jesus said, you know, no better love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, you know, the martyrs continually give us examples of people whose love for for God, love for Jesus was so strong that they indeed laid down their life for their faith. Um, And, you know, that is such a huge surrender and such um, an all-encompassing commitment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a kind of love that I think a lot of us would like to have, mm-hmm. but it seems like such a high mountain sometimes. Sure. Now, as you brought up the the scripture quote, uh, to lay down one's life of one's friends, and to speak uh, about love in the context of sacrifices, Valentine's Day now has become a major holiday. Yes. That so, I don't want to say love. But it is it is about love, but not the truest sense because we well, somehow we have romanticized it so much. I think I don't know that it's necessarily about love as it's about affection. I think it's become more of emblematic of affection, sure, um, and 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 kind of tangible physical displays of affection, maybe more so mm-hmm. than it's really kind of anything about love. I mean, if you know people, when you love somebody, yes, you do sacrifice for them. You do want to do nice things for them. You want the, to to kind of foster and, and have, have them understand how much they're loved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, buying chocolate and candy uh, and roses and jewelry, um, you know, that's all stuff. It's not, it's not a real commitment. It doesn't embody a real commitment. They're just symbols of commitment. And I think they're more – so when I say – it's become really a holiday of affection. Sure. It's because those are little signs or sh- symbols of affection that come through. But nonetheless, it's still, how big is it? We get how many billions of dollars a year? 20. $20 billion a year industry. Wow. Which that's is a lot. In, that's incredible. That's a lot. But sometimes I, I, I think that we reduce love down to the level of feelings. And what happened when the feelings are gone? Yes, there was a song about that. After the love is gone, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but whenever I talk to my couple at weddings, uh, I speak of love in two senses: a commitment, and sometimes a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have you are living a life of commitment in a marriage life. Yes. And uh, how long have you uh, been together with uh, Miss Monica? Buckland? Monica, she. Uh, well, we met in nineteen ninety. So, wow! Yes, uh, at a country music jamboree in Northern Virginia. 
Not that anyone really needed to know that, but <laughs> yeah. So so we've known each other. We met in. Uh, it was actually this is going to gain major points for me. July fifteenth, nineteen ninety. So there you wow, go. I, Boom, Monica. I hope you're <laughs> listening. He remembers. <laughs> he deserve a good meal tonight. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, and and then we we got married uh, a little over four years after that. So September tenth, nineteen ninety four. Sure. Wow. So it's been a journey, and obviously, like all all things in life, there's ups and downs for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and you're talking kind of now about <clears throat> like the vocation of marriage, right? Sure. Um, which is which is I don't think ne- not too unlike the vocation of the priesthood in the sense that there mu- there has to be a bond of love. So mm-hmm. where Monica and I have a bond of love for each other that we've pledged to each other in the sight of God, you've pledged your love to the church. Sure. Uh, and the most tangible way was actually when we lie prostrate on the floor, uh, literally laying down our life for our bride, the church. And I, I brought this up before with my young adults that my commitment in the priesthood is very much like the commitments that a couple made in their marriage life. It is a choice that you make every single day. Every day. Thank you. That's it, yeah, because well you just don't you don't just say yes one day and you think it's going to carry on for 50 years. Right. Uh, it, the wisdom of women. So I remember the first time Monica said that to me. She was like, you know, being married is is every day I get up and I choose to be married to you. And I and my first reaction was just like, well, okay. <laughs> That's, that means I got to prove it every single day. But that wasn't her point. You know, I mean, my kind of thought of first reaction was like, oh, well, you know, I love you, so that, uh, there is no decision. I've already made the decision. You know, mm-hmm. that boat has sailed. But what she meant, and I think what you're getting at, is this: it's it's every day. It's a renewal of the commitment. It's not so much that you're deciding, mm-hmm. right? You've already committed yourself. Absolutely. And yeah. so what it is is, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm renewing my commitment. I'm rededicating myself to my commitment because whether you're married or whether you're a priest, anyone in a vocation. Um, there's up and downs for both, and right. and the and the kind of the thing that goes hand in hand between marriage and priesthood is those are once for all time. Right, and and there will be days when living a commitment is so much easier than others. And there are some days when you really just hold on to things from the t- what is that called the the fingernails, t- tips of your fingers, the tip of your fingers, trying to hold on to your commitments. So there's ups and downs for sure. But that's what make a commitment so beautiful. Yep. I think if 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 you love someone and things always so easy, then you will take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Without the trials, well, without the challenges. It is the challenge. It, the try. It's the trials, the tribulations. It's the downs that make you stronger in a loving relationship, whatever kind of loving relationship that is. Um, it's 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 the adversity that you come through together right right sure in marriage and for you it's not just your commitment to christ and the church but you know hopefully it also involves the people that you serve right and uh, honestly some there are days when it's it's so wonderful because the people are so supportive and and they're so affirming in in our vocation but there are days when it's tough when you deal with different difficult personalities and complaints and it's just like pulling your hair out. That's right. But at the end of the day, when I go to bed, these are the people that God has appointed me to come and serve. These are the people. These are my family, my love. Um, right now, my first assignment is my first love. 
and and being able to serve the cathedral through the ups and downs of these past uh <laughs> let's see i've been assigned there for almost nine months nine months eight months eight months eight, eight months. months yeah yeah it's As you told me on the way over, you have two years and four months to go, <laughs> but you're not counting down. Don't take he that wrong way. He secretly has people. his really thick notepad in his office, and he just rips a page off every day. <laughs> it's like, but, get me to Donellan. But truly, like working at at St. James and committing my life to this assignment, give me a bit of an insight into. Uh, the life of married couples as well because of the challenges that that come along the way and you choose you choose every day to live this commitment with love yeah yeah you do you do and and um and that's that's the thing about love i mean and and not to downplay not to downplay um there's never a bad occasion to do something nice for somebody there's sure. never a bad occasion to show somebody some affection mm-hmm. um and you know maybe if Valentine's Day is is kind of like and it, and everybody's different. Valentine's Day for a lot of couples that I know that's a big deal to them. Um, it's like you know it's one A behind the anniversary day, um, and that's that's not a bad thing you know. And but to remember kind of the roots of where it came from, not just that there was not just that there was a Catholic saint actually a couple. Um, shh, don't tell anyone. There was more than one Saint Valentine, but not just that it was about a, a real saint who really lived. Right. And and in the in the act of helping to bring couples together was jailed and ultimately martyred. Mm -hmm. It's that his love of his faith was so manifest that he was willing to lay his life down and that that hopefully can be a beacon for young couples and couples who are married, young and old couples. Right. Sure. That that it's a commitment, but it has beautiful things. Oh, absolutely. Um Talking about commitment nowadays, though, as I, I get in contact with uh, some of my peers, there's a big fear. There's a big fear when it comes to commitment. Uh, people tend to go for the most, the absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. But is there such a thing in life as absolute certain? Uh, death and taxes, I believe, are the only two. I suppose so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, oh, W2. <laughs> okay. Right. Never you mind. You still have another month and a half. Don't worry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because I was reading uh, the other day, Pope Francis was um, speaking about uh, the hemorrhaging uh, of vocations of, of religious from the church. Right. And he was lamenting the fact that there have been so many, not just here in the United States, but worldwide, um, religious uh, sisters, brothers, priests leaving their vocations. And um, he was lamenting that, unfortunately, one of the traits of, of kind of our generation or your generation. My generation. Uh, your generation is that that they don't think, that they don't kind of approach things in long-term perspective, that it's it's a commitment, and it's a commitment that I can just end whenever I'm ready to go on to the next thing. And we, we get bored. We get bored very easily <clears throat> nowadays because the, the we constantly get bombarded with new things. Right. And and somehow things good for a year and then something new, something new would come along and then we, we move on to the next thing. And, and we begin to treat relationships, treat love in the same way. I, I, I That's what I observe. No, no, and that's not a new thing. It's not a, it's not a millennial thing. It's certainly not a Gen Xer thing. Um, <clears throat> we can always blame the baby boomers. Uh, but, but really, you know, kind of the notion of... of, of 
temporary love or temporary affection or temporary commitments Mm -hmm. really, you know, I think it really took off when it's societally, you know, became more kind of permissive to do these things. Um, you know, in the 70s, you saw this huge explosion of divorce, right? Right. Divorce was very, was there were divorces, but they weren't very common. In the 1970s, divorce exploded, and it continued its upward trend through the 80s. And it's only now, in the last couple of years, that divorce has actually kind of gone down and stabilized relative to the population. But I think... Um, I think the result of that is is you had all this time of people just being temporary, temporary, temporary. But what you're starting to feel now, or what I'm starting to see, at least in the people who are who are in the the millennial age, is this desire for authenticity, this desire true. for Very real true. commitment, mm-hmm. and a tiresome or, or weariness from the temporary kind of superficial um, aspects of what love, quote, quote unquote, love and relationships are supposed to be about now. Mm-hmm. And you probably see that in young adult ministry. True, true. Or adult ministry, because there's no such thing as a young adult. You're either an adult or you're not. Speaking from my own perspectives about this whole long term, and I could still remember, you know, just before the accident, just before the accident, and then uh, the prospect of our nation coming up and realizing I'm about to say a com- say yes to a lifelong commitment. Right. Oh, my gosh, I was scared out of my mind. And, and I think, it, in a sense, it is healthy to know that it is a serious commitment. Right. And once you choose, you choose. Um, and that's hard to do. And it, it, it's not. It really is hard. But then you realize that you need to depend uh, on the higher power. Right. Because there's only so much that we could do in our whole, own human capacity. And in the same way with couples, I think, uh, sometimes... Uh, I think a priest friend of mine once said that it takes three to truly live a relationship, especially when marriage. Yes. A husband, the wife, and God. And then God. Yeah. Because sometimes husband and wife drive each other crazy too, and you need the third person to come in, that is God, to realize that your spouse is not an idol for you to worship, and they're just as flawed as the next person. Except on Valentine's Day. Except on Valentine's Day, I suppose. <laughs> I don't date, so that <laughs> I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. <laughs> no, but what you say is is true. I mean, that that's I was being funny, but um, but that's that's right. It, it's not it. It's hard to kind of. It's hard for people to get their head around. I think I don't know. I understand kind of the priesthood piece, but I think in marriage too. Um, you know, you mentioned getting bored, mm-hmm. right? Boredom. And and that happens. Boredom is born of complacency. Right. And and you'll and boredom will manifest itself, you know, not only in a love relationship that you have, right? It can be and and on and on many different levels of love. It can be familiar relationships. We kind of get bored and we just kind of drift apart sure. in our friendships, right? In sure. our love for each other as friends. Oh well, we're not really we don't really have the same interests, so we haven't really talked in a while. I mean, who, who doesn't have a friend that you haven't talked to in like ten years? You're just kind of like, wow, I don't. <laughs> where did all the time go? And it gets worse as you get older, just so you know. Um, and then, but the same thing happens in your faith life, like we talked about um, last week, and and in uh, in in real life that there's always the danger of this falling away. And mm-hmm. whether you're married or you're in vocation is the priesthood you have to constantly work at it effort has to be put in you know mm-hmm. you've got to pray you got to put in the time the communication the effort into your marriage into your friendships into your relationships or or you're going to get bored sure. and they're going to fall by the wayside sure sure 
And uh, on a more human level, now when you first encounter somebody and and you feel a strong attraction to that person, right? The, the so-called falling in love experience. Um, but I read somewhere that eventually every person will fall out of love. You fall out of love, and that means that you have a choice either to give up on that relationship or to, to learning to truly love someone. Falling in love and loving are two different things. That's that's the, the article I came across a few years ago. Yeah. What do you think about well, it? Well, that's true. I mean, when you're talking about if you were to talk to a lot of people and you ask them today, what you know, what what is love or or why are you getting married? So, you do more marriage counseling than I do. Uh, right. For for pre-married, I talk to a lot of folks who are convalidating their marriages who, you know, got married in Vegas and now they're like, "We need to bring this into the church." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, but uh, but for a lot of them, um, you're right. It's kind of well, I I saw this person, and it's weird because most people like it's it's a it's the way they behave or the way they look. It's some kind of thing or trait about them that that causes the attraction, and then we start to spend time together, and then you spend so much time together, you're like, well, what's next? Uh huh. Oh well, we should get married. <laughs> well, uh, we've Betty Sue, we've been together for like five years. I think it's time we got married. And then you just race off to the chapel and, and, and you do it. And it's not none of the kind of the, the no one really goes into a relationship really thinking about what am I in this relationship for. Right? right. So you just kind of respond to the feeling and you go with it. And there's never, you know, people it's very rare that you find the person who's thinking intentionally about the relationships that they're having. You know, like, oh, wow, you know, this this is somebody I could see myself marrying. We we communicate well. We argue well. You know, you know no one's like, <laughs> like here's my uh, here's my potential um, spouse checklist. <laughs> it's like... But no, then you got the other extreme where they live together for so long that they don't see the difference. Right. They don't see the difference between living together and marriage life anymore. Right. So they never actually make the conscious uh, step towards real commitment Yep. In a match life. It's always temporary. And, and, you know, people, that was really fashionable kind of in the 80s. So we're just going to live together. We don't need to get married. We're just going to, we love each other and, and we don't need to get married. So we're just going to live together. And, you know, what happens in that that kind of a relationship is, is that there's no certainty. You uh-huh. know, at the end of the day, you don't have a real commitment from the other person. It's just a temporary commitment. And the temporary commitment begats feelings of insecurity mm-hmm. and the insecurities start to accumulate and you know because well i don't know if they're going to leave but i could leave i don't care if they could leave because i could leave sure. and, it's, and now what happens is your relationship becomes necessarily can become necessarily tainted so you know that's <clears throat> that's another kind of and then the problem is is we we just don't as humans really know how to love each other mm-hmm foundationally we just aren't kind to each other as a society we're not you know we can we could we have a long way to go so if we're going to score ourselves you know maybe you'd give society like what i give them a four out of ten for kindness (laughs) you know if if i'm rating and and you know look not to upset all the the five people who are listening um who are who are like i'm kind i'm kind steve it's like i'm not talking about you but just sidely you know our tendency isn't to be kind you know uh, there's some comedians like you know somebody comes and knocks on your door and where's the love for neighbor, where's the love for the for the the stranger? It used to be like when I was a kid in the 70s, if somebody knocked on your door, it was a big deal. It's like oh hello, you know, hey come on in, how are yeah. you? Now somebody knocks on your door is like who is that? 
Just like everyone, stay down. Don't nobody move. Our lights off. They will, they'll think we're not home. But that kind of that kind of love for each other. That's the, that's a part of the foundational piece of society. And and as Catholics, right, mm-hmm. we're called to love God with our whole heart, mind, body, and soul. Love our neighbors as Christ loved us. And that's your neighbors are everybody, folks. I mean, it's it's horrible to say that, but are you sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. All right, to wrap this up, because we're, we're coming up against the time. So just in case anybody was wondering, to put this all the way back around to St. Valentine, if if you find yourself particularly drawn to St. Valentine's story, any of them, um, just remember, he's the patron saint of beekeepers, engaged couples, epilepsy, feigning, greetings, happy marriages, love lovers, plague, travelers, and young people. There you go. We do have a patron saint for everything, don't we? We do. I, in case you're wondering who the patron saint of the plague is, it's, it's St. Valentine's. Valentine's. Okay, well, well, thanks for listening, folks, and may God bless you all. Happy Valentine's Day. And happy Valentine's Day. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.